0: Hello and welcome to Adam vs. the Man on today, Friday, June 19th, uh, June 10th, 2020. We've got some exciting coverage happening today. We're going to be skimming through some stories. But in the tradition established by the GOAT, and you might be thinking Howard Stern, the king of all media. No, no, no. I actually have a very unique respect for Rush Limbaugh. So this is our Open Line Friday edition of the show, but we have an amazing guest. We're going to be avoiding booking featured guests on Fridays in the future, but today we've got Hotep Jesus. Very excited about this, and uh, just watched his interview on the Joe Rogan experience. Happy to get Joe Rogan leftovers if that's how we start doing guests for this show. Uh, he always has great guests son, and... Uh, I know Hotep Jesus through Twitter uh, via my friend Chad Lemoyne from New Orleans. uh, At Chad is my name on Twitter if you want to follow him. And we'll we'll, uh, bring Hotep on, of course, to do all of his own plugs at the top of the hour. We're going to take calls as well during the show today and focus on your comments. I've got some pretty important news to catch up on that we've missed this week. A few international headlines about what's going on in China and India. Uh, we've got some updates on Arizona, actually. Now, casinos reclosing. Some general updates on coronavirus around the world, Brazil. Uh, CNN piece I wanted to get to about what it would look like to defund the police, at least from CNN's own perspective. Um, anyway, it's a fun story. We're going to get to that. One quick reminder, I wanted to let everybody know there's a big eclipse happening Sunday. And I feel like I haven't done my journalistic duty here, because Jim, we mentioned this yesterday on the show, right? And I, I looked it up today, and I was like scrambling right before the show, and uh, you know my 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 connection here is fine. My wife, for some reason, is is like is is really wonky today. And what I wanted to pull up though was a viewing guide, and I did a, a quick Google search, and there's like how to view an eclipse in general, like. Don't stare directly at it without a special viewer that's going to protect you on know, that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I remember the last big solar eclipse event in the United States, at least was, well, like three or four years ago. And there was a path that it cut across, like going slightly going, going, you know, as it goes east to west, somewhat east, uh, somewhat north on that trajectory. And I was in the path, but just off a little bit. And I forget. I think we were in Ohio or somewhere. I mean, somewhere like really middle America. And people were screaming like, ah, "I got to get to the path of this thing." And I was like, "Well, I'm pretty close. I wasn't planning." And I went, I was at the gym when it happened. I walked outside. Someone had a little pinhole viewer and was passing around. I was like, "Okay, that's cool." But this one, this is this is the Ring of Fire. And I'm like, "Why is it not? Why do they not tell people?" Like, I've read three or four mainstream news stories about this. I'm not suggesting anything nefarious. Just like, huh, how come they don't have like links? And now I can't even, I can't even pull this up. It was my jetpack. totally I was not connecting at all. I can't get my, computer. that's so weird. Cause my CJ, the phone connection's good, right? We're still doing great on the show. Oh, try to connect to yours. That's why my laptop's funky. Cause yours is bad. All right. So yeah, CJ's got that image up on screen. Beautiful stuff with that. Uh, with, with the eclipse coming up on Sunday. And, you know, whether or not you can see it, being able to get, you know, the, the updated photos of this and seeing how people react to this, uh, people seeing it as the uh, a sign of the end times, things like that. Kind of crazy stuff. All right, best place. So maybe if someone's got a good link with a, a practical view. Now my Internet's working, now that I'm done with show prep, of course, now that we're live. Uh, so comment Jim Freedom is in studio with us today. I'm here with a video. <laughs> not on video. Right? What? With, oh, it no. My laptop, but it connected. Oh, my geez. My Wi-Fi uh, use, Try this. Use, use the, the Adams Jetpack. Password is 12345678. I highly recommend everybody use that password for things that barely need passwords. It's kind of fun. Um, uh, I, I kind of want to tell people my wife's hotspot and password because it's really clever, but and you never forget. And I'm like, ah, but. <laughs> I, 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 I got to ask her first. And, you know, a hotspot, it's like, you know what? So someone, now someone's going to like, Adam, you can get into your phone through your hotspot. I Really? Well, no, you just screw up the connection. If it's slow and you, you're in an area and you think people are pirating your little hotspot connection, change the password to 876-54321. You know, <laughs> you're good. Um, now everybody knows how to hack my hotspot.
1: Damn it. So but you wait, you have to get to Yeah, you back. have to
0: get within range and I don't think you can get on my you can get within range without crossing my bar boy or fence. So we had a really cool day here yesterday at the Garden of Freedom, uh, working with Jim. We finished a phase. It's not done. It won't be done until there are live green things. Yeah, growing fact. actively growing in it, and we're getting there. Yeah, it's um, really good. Now we got we have to we have to figure out about talking publicly and about what exactly is legal. But I think we can comfortably say we might be growing cannabis in this dome. Uh, I'm a legal registered patient in the state of Arizona, and I think because I don't live within 25 miles of a dispensary or something, I'm entitled. My, my government's granted privilege to grow up to 12 plants. But, CJ, first, if you would please get Jim and me off to the side here. Pull up the Garden of Freedom Instagram page. We've got a really – I can I say the A word?
2: Garden of Freedom. We're page.
0: still – isn't that what I said? The Garden it's of Freedom. Facebook
2: page, yeah.
0: Oh, you didn't get it off to Instagram.
2: I got it to Facebook right now.
0: Okay. CJ. Facebook. If you go to thegardenoffreedom.com, it'll take you to our Facebook page. I'm so glad that we got that URL too, by the way. Isn't that cool? We got thegardenoffreedom.com. I didn't, I didn't expect that. Uh, but is it up on? You got, it, you have a connection issue still? Uh, but did you get the? You got the video up to Facebook. Video is up. Alright, so CJ, if CJ can pull this up. Alright, here we go. And with sound, please, for Jim's music. Selection. Enjoy Jim. general music selection like there, if you the video, please, please go, go to the Instagram. It'll be over there at the Garden. Garden of Freedom on Instagram. You can follow Big Igloo Geodesics at Big Igloo Geodesics there as well. So Jim, tell the audience about our contest today.
2: Okay, our new contest today has 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 to, everything to do with our new greenhouse. And we want you guys to come up with the best, most creative name for the greenhouse. And the one that we like the best, the one that we select, not only gets to boast that they picked the name for the greenhouse on Adam's property, but they also get to free link to join into the producer's club.
0: You know, that's a really cool contest, Jim. I'm, I'm excited to get another cool name here for something because we really only have, I think, two names, I mean, I I think everything should be named, right? Like, every building should have, like, it's that, you know, like, and you know, your dome that we're working on for a living space for Jim. Uh, By the way, I went in there last night uh, when I was on the phone when you were doing the the night shots of the dome that we just saw and it was pretty warm in there. Yeah. Like, for summertime and and spring, fall probably, like, that thing is going to retain, you know, a decent amount of heat and be, be reasonably cool through the day. Anyway, I, stop me! Stop me! I'm gonna, yeah. geek, I'm gonna start geeking out on <laughs> construction yeah, you know. stuff here. But we have one thing that is really well named on the property, and that's our outhouse. It's the voting booth. The voting booth. Now, I think like we have, I mean, we have the bird run, and that's that's a done structure that needs a name. That doesn't have a name either.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I guess the, the incinerator—it's not done. We call it the volcano. I think that's. I mean, for a little thing, it doesn't need an important name. And it, it kind of looks like it was, that's on our Instagram for the Garden of Freedom as well. Would you say the camp kitchen as a name? Yeah, or well, man? see, I was just thinking about that, Jim. I like calling the inside of that, the actual kitchen part, the camp kitchen. And then the, the roof is the lanai, but we should still have a name for the building, right? Right. And I think when it's done and it's plastered up and painted... It's going to look like a big turtle. I mean, it's going to, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but it's actually, I was, one of my little fantasies for paint jobs on the buildings out here was to make them all look like animals. Yeah. I like agree. put a head structure on them and little leg things little coming off or something or just paint the legs onto, and you know, on the side. And it's so yeah, I, that's a little cheesy. It's, there's no way to do that and make it like, it, to do it as best as possible. Yeah. would take a ton of effort and time, especially in yeah. you, know, you have a painting, right? Mm-hmm. And even then, it might not look right. right. So I'm like, eh. But uh, we need a name for Jim's dome.
2: Someone has a name for what's coming out of the dome, possibly. Oh. Kokesh Kush.
0: Kokesh Kush. Could be. Come here and, Kokesh- well. Kokesh-, we're, Kokesh. We are going to self-censor for the time being and refrain from yeah. discussing yeah. certain illegal activities. But. Uh, speaking of which, we discovered a very exciting possibility yesterday. CJ, I don't know if you want to join us on the screen here for just a minute, but, uh, we found potentially a censorship-free platform that will allow us to live stream and post video without any censorship at all. And it would actually surprise you, and it surprised me, because it just means that uh, they, they, apparently on this website, the way things were set up and we were using it, we already had that censorship-free zone of being able to post things that only certain people would see. But they added <laughs> live video functionality. And so we're going to be exploring that. CJ, what website am I talking about?
3: You, sir, are talking about uh, Patreon.com and Adam versus Man over on Patreon. Uh, you'll have to forgive my internet warlords there at the moment. I had to quick enter it. But, uh, yeah, no problem. Yeah,
0: that's cool. But, I appreciate you uh, pulling it up.
3: For Adam versus the Man, though, if you join for 5 10 or 50 a month, you get access to uh, the live stream that we'll, we're hoping to transition in a, in a phased transition from the censorship platforms to a platform where Adam isn't as censored, well, I shouldn't say as censored, because I wanted to bring this up. Uh, I put this in the Producers Club chat yesterday for, for the uh, Producers Club, and I wanted to, well, oh, I guess it's here in a, somewhere, uh, where this, is, this isn't something you would see on Facebook, where it says, remember to follow the patron's guidelines while using Lens. All adult-themed content must be patron-only. Offering sexual services, pornography, or sharing nude content of anyone under the age of 18, including yourself, is never permitted on Patreon. Which got me to think. If they're saying, listen, you can't show your Ghibli bits to kids, I'm I'm okay with that. But you can show your Ghibli bits on Patreon. And so if you can show your Ghibli bits on Patreon, (laughs) you can pretty much say whatever you want on Patreon, I assure you. So that was kind of like, well, why would we not want to move to something where? And again, I'm not saying you would create a, a separate category for people that want to see your ghibli bits. But what I'm saying is, is that if they're going to allow that, chances are they're not going to censor you for words like YouTube would or Facebook and pull you down like that.
0: Or for saying that uh, that for mentioning that disease named after a beer, right? Right. Ah, right. correct. Right.
3: Yes, yes, the disease we shall not mention. The, the Voldemort forget. of diseases.
0: So speaking of uh, Ghibli bits, <laughs> I guess as an ongoing part of an ongoing contest, I'm not really satisfied with the results we got for nicknames for Trump supporters. Ghibli bits isn't bad, CJ. So good entry there in the in the contest uh, unintentionally. But uh, no, we had uh, Trumplicans and Loompas. And uh, I think we can do better with than that. I mean, there's so many great nicknames for Trump. I, I had them written down in my presidential debate notes that I felt like you know, I could I could vary them up. You know, the, the Cheeto Jesus, Cadet Bonespurs, Orange Julius. You know, there there are a lot of good ones like that. But uh, for Trump supporters, and we want to separate the casual voters who voted for Trump from the real apologists and fanatics and and uh, you know personality cult loyal types. Uh, so Jim, what we do we have any super chats so far on the show today?
2: Uh, no super chats in the show yet. I'm I'm scrolling through looking for
0: uh, some contest names. All right. Uh, so we get so so we have two contests going today. We are giving away two memberships the producers club I mean assuming someone comes up with a satisfactory name for our greenhouse dome right, right right I'm, I, I'm well, we have to like the name yeah like I mean it. we have to actually use it like it has to be, and it can be a working title like the, the big house that we're doing here the big one bedroom is the helmet house this' is kind of you know what it looks when we have the we see the the 3d drawing with the the, the Part that's going to be glass. It looks like a visor across it. Yeah, in this aerial shot you can see it coming in from the left. Now, that big dome in the background. Uh, that was it there. Um, but at least a functional working title for this greenhouse dome here. And by the way, Jim, that shot of you, like, your idea to illuminate it from the inside and then do like shadow puppets, like your, your body shadow puppet, like ah... Uh, that was so cool. We're, we're, I almost want to build another one of these just for the visual effect, like yeah, just for yeah. the light effect. Light Not to be a green house, just yeah. to be like a place to host dance parties, right? You know, just tripping out in there. All right, so I have a little bit of news about the eclipse, and for the majority of our viewers in North America, it may be disappointing. The eclipse will follow an arcing path from Central Africa to the South Pacific with Northern India is probably the best place to see see the Ring of Fire phenomenon at its fullest. This is from Forbes.com, by the way. For the rest of us, there are a couple of places that will be live streaming the eclipse online. Probably the best option is the SLU Observatory, which will host a virtual star party starting Sunday, June 21st at 1 a.m. Eastern Delta. Daylight time. Uh, what do I think Delta? Anyway, uh, you can join by simply returning uh, to this page and playing the below embedded. P- anyway, so yeah, if you want to, if you want to watch it live, there's places to find online. We got our first super chat for the day, taking the lead in our auction contest, the auctioning of a membership to the Producers Club. Jet Petty for two dollars weighs in with many blessings. Thank you very much, Jet. And by the way. Uh, you know, we say that like if you even chip in a dollar and get to the top of the queue in our, uh, you know, in our in our show today, we're, we're going to be taking comments throughout the show. Uh, we're going to be taking your questions for our guest, Hotep Jesus, in just about 40 minutes here. And, uh, if you want to put something longer, and see, this is a, we wouldn't have made this the case. The super chat thing, it, it's pretty cool, right? The more you pay, the more characters you get, the more space you get to write, and the longer it stays up on the top of the live stream viewing window for people who are watching the comments there. But we don't want to restrain people on word count. If we could customize it for ourselves, that's what we would do, is take out that limit. So if you want to chip in a dollar and have Jim read a whole paragraph on the show or a link that's too long to fit in to your $1 or $2 uh super chat space, feel free to just say, hey Jim, read my comment below and, and he'll get on it. People will figure out what's going on. The chat on YouTube is, is is plenty confusing enough. There's a lot you have to look past if you don't understand it anyway. Alright. So we did have some important news stories from this past week we didn't get to. So starting headlines, we go to theguardian.com. Soldiers fell to their deaths as India and China's troops fought with rocks. India shocked by Himalayan border clash in which unarmed troops fought in the dark. And you go, well, you know, I mean, having been in the Marines, you know, and and been in combat, you know, know, I, I can imagine you might have troop movements where there's unarmed True, like I think this would be more likely to happen with like a group of Marines stationed on an army base, right? That an unarmed fight happens in a military. But then, no, people die. Like this is like an inherently confusing story where you go, oh, they were fighting with, they were unarmed, it couldn't have been serious. And and that's what's interesting about this is it wasn't. There was no serious like planned attack, and they just, oh, we left our guns at home, but we successfully found and enemy unit that was also unarmed, so we went ahead with our plan and went in with... No, okay, so... The hand-to-hand combat lasted hours on steep, jagged terrain with iron bars, rocks, and fists. Neither side carried guns. Most of the soldiers killed in the worst fighting between India and China in 60 years lost their footings or were knocked from the narrow Himalayan ridge, plunging to their deaths. India has reacted with shock and caution to the loss of at least 20 soldiers on its uh, – wars are started over less body, – lower body counts than that. Uh, on its disputed border with China, with images of the Chinese president, Xi Jinping, burned in Indian cities. In his worst public comments on the dispute, Prime Minister Narendra Modi led a two-minute silence for the killed soldiers and said India would defend every stone, every inch of its territory. I would like, quote, I would like to assure the nation that the sacrifice – of her jawans, which is their term for troops, will not be in vain. For us, the unity and sovereignty of the country is the most important. A day after reports of the violent face-off in the western Himalayas emerged, Indian news outlets began naming some of the dead, and a clear picture started to build of what transpired on the Monday night on the high, steep ridgelines above the fast-flowing Galwan River. The killings were sparked when a patrol of Indian soldiers encountered Chinese troops in a steep section of the mountainous region they believed the People's Liberation Army PLA had retreated from in line with a 6th June disengagement agreement. The Indian government has alleged that what followed was a premeditated ambush on their troops by PLA forces. You know, the People's Liberation Army planned this but forgot to bring guns? The two armies jostled and hand-to-hand fighting broke out, neither side armed in line with decades of tradition supposed to ward off the possibility of escalation between the nuclear-armed neighbors. Then, an Indian commanding officer was pushed from the narrow ridge and fell to his death in the gorge below. Reinforcements from the Indian side were summoned from a post about two miles away and eventually about 600 men 600 men were fighting with stones, iron rods, and other makeshift weapons in near total darkness for up to six hours, Indian government sources said, with most of the deaths on both sides occurring from soldiers falling or being knocked from mountain terrain. They assume there were some blunt force trauma to the head deaths as well. But here's, here's the crazy thing. We still live in a world... Where a government as big and as credible as India's has someone in charge of 600 troops and sends them into this fight. At least four more Indian soldiers were said to be in critical condition. Indian media outlets cited intelligence sources claiming up to 50 Chinese soldiers may have been killed in the melee but did not present the evidence. Chinese CCTV's widely watched evening news broadcast made no mention of the border confrontation. On Tuesday, following a phone call on Wednesday between India's Minister for External Affairs, Subramanian Jishankar, and the Chinese Foreign Minister, Wang Yi, the two sides issued statements agreeing to de-escalation and resolving the conflict in a responsible manner. Now, Here's another fun reaction to this with our next headline from the U.S. Sun. Bear fight. Indians use Winnie the Pooh to taunt lookalike President Xi over border clashes after China banned the cartoon bear. Indians have used Winnie the Pooh to taunt lookalike President Xi Jinping over the border clashes after China banned the cartoon bear. Fears of a war between the two nations have escalated as a result of the story we just brought you, obviously. India and China have been feuding over the disputed Aksai chin border since the two countries last fought a war in 1962, and this week's violence saw the first fatalities since 1975. There's some uh, some good historical context. A little more detail from this story. Bats spiked with nails and wrapped in barbed wire were reportedly used, with one Indian official describing the Chinese force as a death squad. Now, Were either of the forces opposed in this battle practicing social distancing? I don't think so. No, of course, uh, the corona, I'm sorry, the virus, which shall not be named, which was named after a beer, so we don't get censored on YouTube, uh, narrative has long since been discredited. Uh, Indians have already taken to the streets to burn posters of President Xi, but they have now used Winnie the Pooh to poke Beijing. So, where did this come from? Mentions of the cartoon bear with a left honey are reportedly blocked on Chinese social networks amid comparisons with President Xi. The Chinese government considers comparisons as a serious attempt to undermine the presidential office and Xi himself. President Xi and then U.S. President Barack Obama were compared to Winnie the Pooh sauntering next to pal Tigger in 2013. If a person sends the picture of Xi and Obama next to Pooh and Tigger in a WeChat group, Others in the group chat will not see that picture. Results are not displayed. So this is one of the things that came out of uh, or or, or to to real prominence in the Hong Kong protests recently or or over the last year, I suppose, that uh, the Kung Flu conveniently kicked out of relevance and the uh, lampooning of Xi Jinping. With uh, you know Winnie the Pooh like this, you know what do we, what do we do to make fun of, of Trump in the United States? We have floats of him as a baby, like they did that in England too. The repression in China is real, and you know I, I don't want to turn this into like a rant about freedom of speech and peace because yeah I mean I could, right? They are intrinsically connected, but. Like Voltaire said, right, those who can get you to believe absurdities can get you to commit atrocities. And when you are so restrained in speaking out that the way you make fun of your president, you, don't, you there's no public criticism in China like this, in the, what we have in the United States. It is something to celebrate and, and to, to, to note that whether you want to give the American government credit for not being as vicious as the Chinese government or the American people, for asserting our rights, or people all around the world who do this, but if, uh, if if you don't have freedom of speech, you might find yourself on a cliff, falling to your death after a fistfight with stones and rocks and rebar and baseball bats wrapped in barbed wire like a barbarian. All right, uh, we got some super chats. Yeah, yeah, I mean, isn't that a cool story? Like that's you kind of have to know this, right? Like world events, yeah, still happening. Believe it or not, you know, not everything. Should, governments didn't shut down. Like the one thing that didn't get shut down because of the coronavirus: governments, war, the military-industrial complex. And remember, we—I I should be mentioning this more. Actually, one of the uh, you know under-reported stories of the coronavirus season is that uh, the There's there's a specific bailout program for military industrial complex uh, companies for, for, I think, it was military contractors was how it was legally categorized. So military contractors first in line for the small business bailouts and, you know, all businesses or the bailouts that were sold to us justified as going to small businesses and individuals. All right. We have Peter and Helen weighing in from 40 40 feet away over there. Uh, Support for Adela Wisdom busted for cannabis in Michigan. Oh, no. At the very bottom as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So uh, Adela had a gun in her face yesterday. She was running for Congress in Missouri. Oh, not Michigan. That would be MO Missouri. This is the second time they illegally used drones and helicopters in her arrest. Whoo! jury nullification in Missouri. Wow. Uh, Yeah, no, and so I, I virtually met Adela. Uh, when when I heard about her from uh, from the Yeeples, do we have they just accepted that their stage name is Yeeples because that's how it looks like it should be pronounced? Does that mean that because even though I know the proper pronunciation, I should pronounce it by the stage name pronunciation of Yeeples when I when I mention it publicly? Um, but yeah, hey, and if, uh, Peter Helen, if you guys want to put a link in the chat uh, for for an update on. Uh, Adela, or what people can do to help, uh, I think that would be appreciated. There you go. CJ's got her picture up already. Another $2 super chat from Left Hand Black. What does that mean? Isn't that a reference to something? Left Hand Black? And what? I don't get it. Maybe you can explain or can in a follow-up comment. Left Hand Black writes, defund the police or end slash revise qualified immunity. Um, Yeah, well, I think this is one of the, you know, we we covered this when, uh, now I can't even remember the other uh, representative's name, but it was Congressman Amash and a Democrat congresswoman Presley, Amash Presley, is that the name of the bill? Anyway, uh, to to end qualified immunity uh, somehow at a federal level. And uh, I assume that I would hear about that if it passed. So we will have an update on that. By the way, also another story that I, I have to mention from our friend, Mr. Kausland, who sent me an email because I said I would cover the fluoride trial that's, that's going on right now. And uh, he sent me uh, an article with some background as well as the, the trial is going right now. I just want everybody to know I'm not ignoring this story. I do want to cover it, but I don't want to cover it like every day in the. I'm not not going to turn to a fluoride trial watcher. I I don't think it's that critical to human events to just be watching that every day. But I am going to cover it when we do have a you know a resolution in this trial, and and it is pretty exciting to see. uh, And if if you want to look up uh, what's going on there, if if you're a fluor, what's the term for the fluoride people? You know, the people who um, you know are really all about studying and explaining fluoride and there's no term for that. Alex Jones was super all about it for a while. Uh, st- still poisonous. Just poisonous just because uh, Alex Jones isn't talking about it. It doesn't mean it's not poisonous anymore. All right. From McClatchyDC.com, Supreme Court ruling upholding DACA is like shotgun blasts into the face, Trump says. Little melodramatic, Mr. President. The Supreme Court of the United States ruled against the Trump administration and upheld the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, that's DACA, or DACA, Immigration Program, at least for now. The DACA program allowed children who were brought to the United States illegally by their parents called DREAMERS, and that's another acronym that isn't in here and I don't remember off the top of my head, to avoid deportation. More than 700,000 people are part of the program according to the Supreme Court ruling. And by the way, you know, I mean, you know, my stance on this issue, in, in terms of immigration, uh, the only legitimate borders are private property borders, and they can be in as open or as closed as the owners want. And that could be owners of a large collective, a community, a city, even a large territory if people voluntarily create it. But anyway, th- so this I say that just as a caveat to the dreamers thing, and say it's good propaganda. Like, are you for the dreamers? I'm against the dreamers. Yeah, how can you be against the dreamers? Right. And, and the Democrats did that. Responding to the ruling, President Donald Trump tweeted, these horrible and politically charged decisions coming out of the Supreme Court are shotgun blasts into the face of people that are proud to call themselves Republicans or conservatives. We need more justices or we will lose our Second Amendment and everything else. Vote Trump 2020. I don't think that's going to be a sufficient ace in the hole for you, Mr. Trump. I'm sorry. Uh, You know, like, oh, yeah, the Supreme Court issue. No. Uh, but you know, is this Jim? You know, I'm I'm a I'm not a grammar Nazi, but I am a precision language Nazi. Is it weird? And this is, doesn't even change meaning. When people say that instead of who or whom, you're you're referring to people the way you refer to things. We have a different word for people. Like, let's use the right pronoun. Is that weird? I just no, it, that's it, not weird. It, that that I take it sounds. I, I feel like extra. I mean, I know it's the correct thing, and I do my best. And I think it's humanizing, right? Why do we why do we have that word? Right. right. We have that word so that we can distinguish between people and things. And so you know, Trump calls people that, and I do it too. You know, I mean, it's all in the vernacular. I, I, I'm just, it's one of these things. I'm uh, I think I've done a pretty good job on this one of, of mostly retraining my verbal habits. But uh, it's it, it when I catch it, and I'm sure people say it all the time, and I don't catch it. But when when I do, it's like uh, nails on a chalkboard. Uh, because it is, it's a a weird thing. It's not like you're, you're not actively or intentionally dehumanizing, but why use the thing word when you could use the people word? Two minutes later, Trump tweeted, do you get the impression that the Supreme Court doesn't like me? Earlier this week, the Supreme Court ruled six to three against the administration finding that employers could not discriminate uh, against people based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Later in the day, Trump followed up with more tweets, criticizing the court's decision. Religious liberty, among many other things, are over and gone. Again, a little melodramatic, Mr. President. The DACA decision, while a highly political one and seemingly not based on the law, gives the President of the United States far more power than ever anticipated. Nevertheless, I will only act in the best interests of the United States of America. As President of the United States, I am asking for a legal solution on DACA, not a political one, consistent with the rule of law. The Supreme Court is not willing to give us one, so now we have to start this process all over again. Now, just if you think about the, uh, the fight over border policy, it's really, again, it's just like the left-right silliness. It's part of the distraction. You know, like, there's a general sentiment, and, and obviously localization solves all of this, right? You know, you get government down to the community level. Every community can have their own immigration policy. Not that complicated. And what, you know, I almost, like, don't want to cover stories like this. It, it, to me, this this kind of reeks of the palace intrigue, drama, distraction, theater silliness. Why, why is Trump arguing with the Supreme Court? Is, you know, you go, a, a rational reader of this, like, I hope, I qualify as, and everybody in the audience listening to the story goes like, "Well, isn't that bad for the credibility of government?" They don't care. They don't like, and this is a, this is actually a kind of a beautiful point that we've come to. Really, that Trump represents. I I don't think I've even heard anybody put their finger quite on this before. But like, what is the real, you know, a real silver lining with Donald Trump? America said, "Screw it! Let's get a reality TV star as our president. Government doesn't have any credibility anyway. Let's let's elect a known liar, exaggerator. uh, You know, and and, you know, Trump is a liar. Like he's a dishonest man. He lies for lots of reasons. You know, and and he has certain reasons and, and patterns in his lies. Right? Defensive lies, distracting lies." Uh, you know, genuinely harmful lies. But, you know, the American people genuinely elected him, I mean, less than the majority of voters, you know, having lost the popular vote. They just want to be able to manipulate you with uh, the drama and and your attention now. And scare tactics like the coronaphobia nonsense. Donald Trump, oh, we got to have a press conference every day. Now, does he really want to scare you about that? Yeah, because he wants to increase his power. Personally, I think he's more driven by, oh, well, if I declare a state of emergency, I get to be on TV every day. So what does this have to do with DACA? DACA was created under the Obama administration in 2012 in Trump's first re-election campaign. He promised to overturn the program, calling it an illegal amnesty. Lower courts ruled against the Trump administration before it appealed to the Supreme Court. The courts ruled that the administration did not follow the Administrative Procedures Act, sending the issue back to the Department of Homeland Security to explain the reasoning. In the opinion, the Chief Justice writes, we address only whether the agency complied with the procedural requirement that it provide a reasoned explanation for its action. Here, the agency failed to consider the conspicuous issue of whether to retain forbearance and what if anything to do about the hardship to DACA recipients. That dual failure raises doubts about whether the agency appreciated the scope of its discretion or ex- exercised that discretion in a reasonable manner. Trump tried to trade funding his border wall or funding for his wall along the border with Mexico in exchange for extending DACA, but that deal fell apart last year. Now you would think the way they're reporting on this story this week, like, oh my gosh, major Supreme Court, and I don't want to dismiss the significance of this because. Like, people's lives are going to be affected, and, and in terms of immigration, yeah, it's millions of people who are, like, on the cusp policy-wise, where policy sways a little bit one way or another, and their lives are, you know, uh, in, in great turmoil, and, and they have the, all the uncertainty of, uh, am I going to get deported now? So, it's not, though. Like, you look at this story, and you go, yeah, this is more, well, we don't have any credibility anyway, let's fight over this kind of silliness. Speaking of which, we go next to azcentral.com, which is part of the USA Today network. Villa River casinos temporarily closed again after employee death. Arizona's rising COVID-19 cases. Now, Jim, where we live here in Arizona, have you noticed any rising corona? Have you noticed any corona cases? No, we live. <laughs> no. No. Um, it, had you heard about anything with casinos in Arizona? Like that being a, a thing? Disputed? No? I didn't hear they were reclosing, no. All right. Uh, so, as of 2 a.m. Thursday, Gila River Hotels and Casinos shuttered all three of its properties for two weeks amid a recent rise in COVID-19 cases in Arizona. Leaders at the casinos declined the requests to confirm the employee number who have tested positive, saying they won't disclose to protect their privacy. And, and that makes sense. I don't think they should have any... I mean, without the employee, without a really compelling reason, they shouldn't be uh, releasing that if they don't want to, if the employees don't want it out. Uh, although, I would think if the employees are like, oh, crap, this is serious, uh, yeah, the general, this is, a, you know, is it public safety implication enough to say let's, you know, shut down the casino again, then please violate my privacy in terms of put me in a number and, and say out of this many employees there are this many cases. Um, so. The employee death was on June 11, Robert Washington, 68-year-old security guard at Lone Butte Casino, died in a hospital from complications related to COVID-19, according to his family. Now, this raises a, a whole other scary prospect of manipulation. And I know we've kind of covered this on the show, but I want to underscore it even now in reading between the lines of these headlines about the beard bug. Uh, And this is a real death, right? I mean, we assume they're not just disappearing people. I went to the hospital. I went to two different emergency rooms, three different emergency rooms in the last two weeks with my wife. At no point was I allowed past the check-in area. So, You see the secrecy as an opportunity for corruption here? There aren't family members in the rooms with their dying loved ones who are there to say, hey, no, he died of pneumonia. Corona was a minor contributing factor or a complicating factor. Or he died of, because this is what says complications related to COVID 19. Related? Like, now, if you if you take this statement at face value, you might go, Okay, complications caused by COVID nineteen. But no, it just says related to. And you know, I I haven't made this comparison in a while, but I think it's appropriate now to say, remember, this is this is like H P V. You know, the 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 virus that causes genital warts, which I don't have by the way. Actually I don't know because I'm a man. I can't even get tested. We don't even have a test for men. Uh it's 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 that, you know, not big of a deal now it's not insignificant it causes cervical cancer and possibly uh, I shouldn't say causes it creates an increased risk for cervical cancer and potential for um infertility among women you know and w- what is it like 90% of sexually active americans have it I and mean, then you, you know if they started saying everybody who died with hpv died from it or or just twisted the words a little bit you know uh, again People who can get you to believe in absurdities can make you commit atrocities. One more quick coronavirus, uh, or two more quick coronavirus stories before we get to the Juneteenth uh, article. The TheCharlotteObserver.com. Town shuts off Jim's water slash power for defined coronavirus rules in Massachusetts. A Massachusetts gym that reopened in defiance of state coronavirus regulations had its water and power cut Wednesday night under a court order, the Boston Globe reports. David Blondin, owner of Prime Fitness and Nutrition in Oxford, already faces $7,000 in unpaid fines for refusing to close under a statewide stay-at-home order. Blondin, who says the gym has been operating at 50% of capacity since mid-May, argues that its constitutional rights are being violated. People have the freedom to work out. He said people can do as they please. They can exercise. They can do as they want. No, they can't. They live in America. Yeah, so... Just yeah, it's coming to this. Uh, I heard threats of this. Jim, do you remember in, in L. A. when L. A. first became a hot spot, like th- three or four, three months ago now, I guess. Yeah. As, as a second way, I guess it was people coming in from whatever it was, who people coming in from China because we believe the narrative. Yeah. Um, no, but there was uh, there there were threats that like you know people business right away L. A. Huge tons of business owners right like millions. And they go, uh, yeah, you shut us down? No, we're going to stay open. We're going to use our discretion. So, and they said, well, we'll cut your water and power. And in L.A., they go, ooh, funnel puckering. Yeah, the city government can do stuff like that here. Well, now they actually did it. And so Massachusetts, what is this, Oxford, Massachusetts, um, that's a big town, right? Not a big city, but it's a, I don't know. Uh, so significant data point to keep in mind here. Another one from skipping ahead, one San Francisco CBS, SF Bay Area, divorce proceedings in family courts slowed by COVID-19 outbreak. Now, uh, of course, this reminds me of Victims of Family Law and the general cause of, of raising attention to, uh, you know, how family law, you know, fa- governments destroy families in family courts. Like that's what they do. It's, it's very rarely the right outcome out of a divorce or child custody procedure hearing or, you know, the the right when when the right decisions are made, it's made outside of the court by, you know, peaceful settlements. Right. And this story is is more just remember that. We're in a really weird state right now, like I I really want to like I would not feel responsible as the host of Adam versus the man talking to people you know, on uh, ostensibly a news show and not really just reminding people, pointing this out, everything's really wonky right now. Be careful. Be safe. Take care of yourself and be ready to wait things out. Whether that means, like, you know, storing survival food or just stocking away some cash. Depending on where you are, depending on your situation. And part of what makes this world so weird Who has money? Another article I didn't get to today was uh, a tale of two economies. Some Americans are prospering and others are suffering. Well, there's, I guess, two categories of people prospering. People on the government teat and people allowed to continue to operate as normal and get money out of the government teat. Because if if you're just allowed to operate as normal like a restaurant, but half your clientele doesn't want to eat at a restaurant, you're still out of business. So it's it's really people on the government team versus people who aren't. That's it. It's, it's a real interesting dividing line in America right now. And I'm not saying don't get on the government team. Get on it. Yeah, get on it. Don't let the, you can do both, right? I mean, you can you you can uh, you can get government money and get money from you know more righteous legitimate endeavors as well. But it's entirely righteous and legitimate to take money away from government that it would otherwise have available to hurt people. Don't let them do it. And so divorce proceedings in family court slowed by COVID-19 outbreak, the, the other headline was that it's taking twice as long. Shit's weird. It's a weird time to be alive. It is a weird time to be an American. There's no other way to describe it. It's just weird. Blurry, fuzzy, wonky. I mean, maybe this should be the. Co- do we, Jim? Do we have any uh, names for the greenhouse dome from our audience?
2: Uh, yes, we do. We, we're switching over to that. Let's see, uh, Captain Case Thunder That's uh, I think. No,
0: we're right. not. No, everybody wants to call every dome we put up here something Thunderdome. Yeah. like no. Lucas Jewell. call it Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel?
2: Yeah, I don't know why that. Is that is a- that. Uh,
0: no. I no. Uh, I mean, did he put an explanation? I, no. I was going he to hear from our friend Lucas. Another Navy veteran from uh, from Florida. Um,
2: Jeremy Gooding the garden. And of you're doing well, what, Lucas? What's that? The Garden of Weedham. <laughs>
0: <It's not laughs> cute, but no. You read
2: backstage says uh, the Dank Dome.
0: The, ooh.
2: Now, see, like, I'm all for funny, friendly games, but they should have something like the DJs throwing in on there. DJ says the dome of the dank. The dome
0: of the dank. Ooh, so Ooh
2: I like the alliteration. The dome of the dank. Uh, the dank Jace, dome. Jace Carnes on Facebook just put free dome. Yeah, That's we've like heard that before too. To like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. yeah. All right. So to right. So by the way, we're giving away. Still, what, I mean, our top bid today is two dollars for super chats. We're giving away one membership. Last Friday we had a frenzy of like twenty dollar posts. I don't. Yeah. Was, yeah, people crazy. going, oh yeah, Adam was right. Coronavirus is going to be a thing for a while. We got to save. <laughs> like, not all. Please also invest a little bit in independent media and entertainment. And this is a really good deal when it comes down to it. We're not asking for much here. Uh, twenty dollars today. I guess we say anybody over twenty dollars. You know, top bid or anybody over twenty dollars at the top bid gets twenty dollars. Gets a uh, Bruiser Club membership. And anybody who comes up with a usable or, or if, if one of those dome, dome of the dank, dank dome, they're good, but I, I can't see saying that, you know, every day. Yeah, He's yeah, in the yeah. dank dome. Right. He's in the Dome of the dank definitely doesn't, it sounds nice, like it's efficient, but it's, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah. All right. So to Reuters.com, Juneteenth observance arrives amid U.S. reckoning with racism. Atlanta, Reuters, with most formal Juneteenth events canceled due to coronavirus concerns. Street marches and car caravans were planned on Friday across the United States to demand racial justice on the day commemorating the end of slavery a century and a half ago. Despite the limitations, The occasion holds particular significance this year, organizers say, coming at a time of national soul-searching over America's troubled racial history, triggered by the death of George Floyd under the knee of a white Minneapolis police officer. Weeks of mounting demands to end police brutality and racial injustice are sure to animate rallies expected in cities coast-to-coast, including New York, Washington, Philly, Atlanta, Chicago, and Los Angeles. I, I think there's... I mean, obviously the whole uprising now is some kind of controlled opposition. These are police reforms that are long overdue that the, the public is it's like oh we're paying attention to this now. what do we have consent on? It's not defunding the police but oh yeah, use of force, qualified immunity, uh, things like that like uh, yeah you think to address the racism uh, built into the system? Oh yeah let's uh, yeah let's address those. But it's the distraction from the ripoff around coronaphobia, right, that is that is a bigger story here. And it's, I, I wonder if this was deliberate. Like, hey, we have to keep the corona lockdown in place long enough so that they have to cancel the Juneteenth events. And then what are they going to do? Well, no Juneteenth event celebrations to go to. We'll march in the streets. And it keeps this thing going. And, you know, they turn this into a, a hot summer of activism and agitation. And it's like, yeah, it's all the, all the forces that you see, like, every four years, rearing their ugly heads to manipulate things right before a presidential election. In Texas, where Juneteenth originated, Lucy Bremond oversees what is believed to be the oldest public celebration of the occasion each year in Houston's Emancipation Park, located in the Third Ward area where Floyd spends most of his life. This year, a gathering that typically draws some 6,000 people to the park purchased by free slaves in 1872, called the Juneteenth Celebration, will be replaced with a virtual observance. As Bremen said, there are a lot of people who did not even know Juneteenth existed until these past few weeks. Juneteenth, a blend of June and 19th, commemorates the U.S. abolition of slavery under Lincoln's six, 18, I was trying to short it, 63, 1863 Emancipation Proclamation, belatedly announced by a Union army in Galveston, Galveston Texas, on June 19, 1865, after the Civil War ended. Texas officially made it a holiday in 1980, and 45 more states and the District of Columbia have since followed suit. This year, a number of major companies declared June 19, also known as Emancipation Day or Freedom Day. A paid holiday for employees. Juneteenth takes on Raw Emotion this year in Atlanta, where a black man last week was failure. Okay, we all know the story of George Floyd. Instead of an not that we shouldn't. Uh, instead of an annual Juneteenth Parade and Music Festival, Atlantans will mark the occasion with a march to Centennial Olympic Park that organizers say will have a spiritual rather than celebratory tone. One race and ecumenical group that organized the march said, join us in decrying racism in every form and declaring unity from the church across lines of race, class, denomination, and culture. Dozens of protests and marches uh, are scheduled for New York and around the country today. On The West Coast Union dock workers at nearly 30 ports plan to mark the occasion with a one-day strike. Nice note of solidarity. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, and, uh, you know, I, as a, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I still grapple with this for myself. Do I call myself a white dude? You know, because I get it that, like, I'm half Jewish, and I'm, I'm, I'm basically half Jewish and half German. And you go, am I, am I the most offensive oppressors, or the most offensively oppressed? You know, with which ethnic group do I identify with? And I get it, you know, for practical purposes, by my appearance, by my background, everything. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty white, uh, effectively speaking here. And I would remind you of something I heard from Maj Taray, actually, of Black Guns Matter, uh, when we did the Black Community Outreach Panel at the Libertarian National Convention in New Orleans in 2018, which is that if you have righteous intent, you don't have to worry about being sensitive about these racial issues. And I don't think we have to be sensitive in, or I I should say, uh, we can still be sensitive to the fact that right now uh, black Americans are going through a unique period in their own history. Uh, Regardless of everything else, this is hugely significant for them, for the black community, for the people who are standing with the black community like never before around the issues of police brutality. Now, you would say, because of George Floyd? No, because the mainstream media wants it to happen right now. But that doesn't make their sentiments any less legitimate. So it's the same thing like with the coronaphobia pandemic. Just because people should not be scared doesn't mean that we shouldn't acknowledge that people are scared. And that makes them vulnerable. And we need to make them less scared, not frighten them with something else, like Mark Twain Uh, said it's easier to fool someone than convince them they've been fooled, and especially someone who is afraid because of lies and propaganda and misinformation. It's all the more important to talk them down. So that being said, I think it's uh, important that in putting this in the bigger context, right now, sad to say, the black community in America is being used as a pawn, again. Another tool of manipulation of the superclass to keep people divided in ways so we don't recognize everything they're doing is set up so the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. It's not blue versus red, left versus right, black versus white versus yellow versus red versus purple. It's rich versus poor. And it's not all rich versus all poor. They're bad poor people, but really it's the super rich who use the system to exploit the rest of us versus the rest of us. And our guest today, coming up uh, in, in, in just uh, a minute here, uh, let's see if we can live switch our mics and, uh, and up our audio quality here. So, um, yeah, we're really excited about uh, our next guest. His website is BrianSharpWithAnE.com. He is better known as Hotep Jesus from Twitter, and we're going to get an explanation of that name, and, uh, you know... I, we're going to do a little follow up on his Joe Rogan interview and we are also going to uh from the well we'll get to it in the interview. Any other comments Jim before uh while while we're waiting for uh, for Hotep to join us. While we're waiting on Hotep
2: to join us there was a couple of the um uh what to call the Trump supporters, Jeremy Gooding, supporter names Trumping Jacks.
0: Trumper cables, nah. trumpy Dumpties. <laughs> ah, trumpy Dumpties. Ooh, the first two are like that's fun, that's clever, but doesn't really. I don't know if I would use them. Same again. Ring. Uh,
2: trumping jacks like jumping jacks. Trumper cables. Yeah,
0: but hold on. The thing about trumping jacks, it sounds cool, it's clever, but if there's no reason to connect them the to right? jumping jacks, I mean, like, and in, 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 jumping jacks are not like a bad thing. Right. It doesn't relate to being blindly following the Trump uh, or cables. Trump. Are, yeah. Trump or cables. I mean, again, clever uh, wordplay. We'll but something yeah, now country. we're talking about like the <laughs> Donald Trump product line for car care. Yeah. Trump or cables. Get your Trump or cables today. Uh, but Trumpy Dumpty
2: shows that they
0: sat on the Trump. Yeah, bell, although, they fell off. although, even I think that's I think that's a better term for Trump himself. Trumpy Dumpty. I like, like that. I'm gonna write that down. Trump I don't know, Trump see that one, I do. But yeah, it's, it's better for Trump himself than the backstage.
2: Men. Also had one that's interesting. Uh, red fingers. Can you figure out the reference? Black fingers, red fingers. Was it no, left hand black? Trumps hair? for Trump supporters. Red fingers.
0: Red fingers
2: that are red coats. They follow Cheeto. Jesus, red Fingers. The
0: Orange Fingers. Uh, orange that, Fingers, Red Fingers. Although, reference to Cheeto Eaters and red coats. Although I would really love if we had one. Yeah, but... Mm, People wouldn't know what it Yeah, was it's known, too... Yeah. It I would love one that connected with the American Revolution, identifying the Trump loyalists as the British loyalists or Redcoats or Stormtroopers. Right, right. Stormtroopers. Storm Trumpers. That's, that uh, might uh, be a little, for the people who beat up protesters at Trump rallies, those are the Storm Trumpers. Storm
2: Trumpers. <laughs> yeah. See, sometimes it just takes a, a back and yeah. to, to pull it out of your brain.
0: So, CJ, is our guest ready? We're going to just keep rambling here. Uh, nope. nope? No connection? Were you able to get in touch with him and get him to I leave?
3: I sent him the link before the show. Uh, all you got to do is click the link on the email, and he'll be backstage, so... I mean, All right. I did not tell you either way.
0: All right. You didn't get his number to text him or anything, did you?
3: I can double check the email real quick and see if it's in there, and I'll give him a call. All
0: right. Cool. And uh, I guess when you get it, if you want to just uh, send Jim a message, so so I can wrap up and, and we'll get to Hotep Jesus. And then uh, if any, is, are there people? Are Jim? Are the comments today coming in from YouTube or Facebook or Periscope or are they backstage comments?
2: Most of them are YouTube uh, of course Corinne is backstage
0: chat.
2: Yep, up. yep. Got to love Corinne in the back. I saw Matt back there earlier. That sounded
0: like it could have been really dirty, Corinne. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I'll
2: leave Someone it at that. Shown that uh, gave a coronavirus less deadly than Family Law Court.
0: Ooh. I don't, yeah, I don't know though. People don't it's, it's definitely less damaging to America. And it, it, it's it's a bit of a leap, though. It doesn't make it a good joke, yeah, right? Because people don't weird. associate family law court as deadly. It's a pain in the butt. Right. It's corrupt. It destroys families. But there's a, there's a, and, and it kills people in in a long term sense. But I don't think you can like if if some if a dude goes through a shitty divorce and then gets depressed and kills himself, you don't quite. He still gets resp- He still gets primary responsibility for that. You can blame the court for creating the conditions and the in unjust acts that led to that, and it's it's a lot of things. The quality of life that we we generally underestimate the impact of, right? That, um, well, you know, a lot of a lot of people take for granted. uh, You know, by the way, I love asking libertarian audiences, like, you raise your hand if you've been arrested before, and it's like, yeah, most of them. And uh, you know, most people though have never. Had serious legal troubles. Uh, in most, I think, still, I'd, I'd say uh, most have had bad run-ins with the police. But you think like white middle suburban America, where the job of the police is keep those communities safe and isolated from the riffraff, essentially, right? And, and they do their job. And if you if you look like the average white person walking through that you know wh- white majority supermajority town you're not going to uh, have the same kind of history or, or association with police. Now, I've I, I, I got to think back in my own life, because I did get seriously in trouble in middle school for trying to blow up the boys' bathroom. I, I put a little prank fireball bomb in one of the stalls. That was a weird little backstory on Adam here today. But I did get, I didn't get, like, arrested but i had the cops called to the school and um i uh, oh hey sorry to interrupt uh, cj marcus has hotep's number HOTEP's joining soon oh he's, he's on his way all right um he's about to join. okay cool so i'm just going to finish rambling you just bring up hotep whenever whenever yeah, he's he ready then, then cj all right so um uh, I was I was on some kind of probationary status or supervisor. I don't remember. I was a kid, like I was in middle school. It was I think it was eighth grade. I was in eighth grade
2: oh, when, when I did that, so. yeah.
0: And then you know I I didn't really get in, it. When in high school I got kicked out of a school. And then it was the next time I really got in trouble legally, having a gun in college, I guess. And you know, one of the statistics that you hear about the racial injustices in the system today is that at any given time, one third of black men in America are, are on papers or incarcerated or something like that, or half. It's, it's a lot. It's, a, it's I think it's half. So maybe we should look this up. But uh, it, it there's a what, what I'm getting at here to connect it to the divorce story and, and, and the comment we have less deadly than divorce court, right? Is that uh, now that I got too much going on in my head, too many things I'm keeping track of, but that that we take it for granted, most people, that the state is not a immediately present, unique threat in your life. And I think about this like with my, with me, it's mostly through. Well, I, for me, my legal history is half civil disobedience, half my own punk behavior, right? Uh, you know, in my wife's case, there's no civil disobedience, but she's, you know, she's 26, and over her life has had a, you know, significant portion of it on paper, like on probation. She's on probation right now for a DUI. And what does that mean? You can't plan. You can't work ahead. You all of these things that we take for granted. Well, do I, I might have to be in court next week. I, I'm sorry, I can't go to that meeting. I'm sorry, I can't apply for that job. You know, oh, I'm sorry, I can't travel because my probation terms don't allow it. Oh, I can't associate with certain people in certain areas because of the terms of my probation. You know, things like that, you know, huge reductions in quality of life. Again, problem for everybody, especially present in the present in the black community in America. So our guest today is Hotep Jesus. Very excited to be bringing him on today, especially after studying him on Twitter and seeing what he's doing with social media, with his business and hearing him on the Joe Rogan Experience lately. So, CJ, can you bring our guests up on screen here, please? Ladies and gentlemen, Hotep Jesus, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us on Juneteenth of all days.
1: Ah, yeah. What's up, bro? Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, so, I've, I I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, and I I, you know, I, I want to really honor your wisdom, and I want to make our, our interview here about – trying to answer the bigger picture questions. Okay. You know, as as a black American who is very confident in challenging mainstream narratives about black history, black culture, black America today, dude, we're going to get to your, that last segment you did on Rogan about the the revisionist history on slavery. Yeah. That's some heavy stuff that everybody needs to know. I want to, I want to hit on a couple things, get those out of the way and then get to some bigger quick question picture or bigger picture questions. Uh, but first please, yeah, I heard you say the story, but not a real explanation. What does it mean to refer to yourself as hotep Jesus?
1: Well, um, uh, right around the time that Mike Brown was murdered and Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, and all those guys, uh, Sandra Bland, um, the, uh, black lives matter was born amidst all of that chaos. And, uh, you know, my heart went out to the greater black community, to those families that lost their sons and daughters. And, uh, I started to provide solutions. And when I provided those solutions, um, the black community didn't like them so much. At least the black liberal community didn't like them so much. So, uh, they, uh, hurled invective comments at me. I was lambasted for, um, centering black economics. Um, you know, they thought that, you know, um, I wanted to just replace white patriarchy. So they called me Hotep and I'm like, you can't be a Hotep. You know, Hotep means peace, satisfaction, it would be at rest and many other meanings. Uh, so you can't be a Hotep. So they kept calling me a Hotep. So I said, fine, I'm a Hotep. And uh, the voice that I was tweeting in um, was very holy, I guess you can say. So then somebody was like, what do you think you are? Some sort of Hotep Jesus. So I they like, oh, got, I kind of like the ring to that. So then I was just like, I took it on and that's just been me ever since.
0: That's a great stage name. Your Thank real you. name is Brian Sharp, and that's Sharp with an E, right? And your website is briansharp.com, if anybody wants to go check dot that co,
1: out. .co, .co, briansharp.co. Brian
0: Sharp, .co. So, um, Hotep, <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, from this segment that you did with, with Joe Rogan, there was a really – well, hold on. You know, I'm sorry. I want to go back for a second. You said the liberal black community didn't like your solutions. What were the solutions and why did it have to do with the Democrats and dependence on government as a whole?
1: Yeah. So at that time I didn't know the difference between a Democrat and a Republican. I was very ignorant to the U S political system, you know, my entire life. Do you
0: know know that there is a, a precise difference between the Democrats and Republicans? It's, it's like, going off a cliff at 70 miles an hour or 80 miles an hour. That's the difference. Yeah. I mean, I,
2: yeah, yeah. You're, sorry, you're it's,
0: making a more nuanced point. I know I couldn't, I couldn't hesitate or couldn't, couldn't back <laughs> at my, my joking. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, you know, um, there really is no difference. Like you've just illustrated. Right. Um, but you know, back then I didn't know the nuances of what each policy was pushed and, you know, who was what and so on and so forth. And frankly, I didn't care. Um, you know, I was a avid Alex Jones listener, so I always saw things um, through uh, an Alex Jones or Farrakhan lens. Right. So mm. I saw both parties as always being evil. I saw white people as being evil. I saw the government as being inherently evil. So I didn't care about any of that stuff. I just knew there was good and there was evil. Um so yeah, so uh my solutions were black economics. You know, if you look at uh Dr. Claude Anderson uh and his book uh Poweronomics, um you know, that was something that I am more aligned with was, you know, let's let's worry about, you know, how we circulate the dollar in the black community, how we provide jobs for each other and, and how we grow uh our own technology. And um, you know, the the, the Marxists um were able to get to the black mind uh, and the Marxists um, push uh, the socialist ideology to these black liberals. So when you come with more of a, you know, capitalistic or free market point of view, they say, you know, you just want to replace white supremacy with black male patriarchy supremacy or some whatever they're teaching those people. And I was just like, huh, what? <laughs> no. You know, so, uh, yes, and that's what I was, uh, you know, highly criticized by um, the uh, black feminists and the black Marxists, to be more specific.
0: Now, I'm going to connect this to the slavery narrative revisionism, because it's very important, as you described, in the development of the paradigm of black America today, the mentality, the way that mental suppression happens in a unique way as it does to everybody all over the world but it is a unique story and phenomena among black americans and how the history is used to psychologically emotionally manipulate and suppress people but i i feel a little bit remiss already having done my audience a disservice not mentioning sooner the ways in which you have escaped that and as an entrepreneur you're also involved in bitcoin blockchain cryptocurrency as well so before we get to the big picture stuff, uh, how how is that? What what credentials do you want to lay out as an entrepreneur, and, and how does that relate to, to what we're talking about?
1: Hey, hey. Yeah, my credentials are deep, man. You know, we're going back to. I want to say I started my first business in 1996, At the age of 16. I had a printing business, and um, I used to print business cards and flyers. Um, and I used to do other things, you know, hustle. Like before that, you know. Um, um, we uh after gym class everybody was like smelly, right, and sweaty and whatnot. So I used to, uh, I had a lot of different types of cologne I would get every year for Christmas. So I would line them up in my locker and I would charge people to use my <laughs> cologne. All right? Um, High school
0: bathroom attendant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you, know, like,
1: you really had a bright future as a bathroom attendant ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, I actually had three lockers. You were assigned one. I had You were franchising. Yeah, so I had the one that was assigned to me was like in the old building and I didn't use that so much. I just used it if I had classes in the old building. And then there was um the main hallway where everybody hung out. So, um I actually was able to obtain that locker um from a graduate. And then I had uh, another locker in the new building that I got from another graduate. So I was collecting lockers as people would graduate, right? So, you know, if I had a class in a new building, my Mm -hmm. books were in a new building. If I had a class in the old building, those books were in the old building. And then all my hustling happened in the main hallway. So what city is this? Uh, I don't wanna say. (laughs) Where you grew up? Yeah, this is where I grew up. This is high school, yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations on selling cologne in high school is, is passed for you.
1: Yeah, no, I just is other reasons it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> I'm
0: just curious. You might. I mean, if you say you no, know, I can't even say the reason, of course. But can you say what the reason is? I
1: just just personal reasons. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, just, all
0: right. Well, you know, yeah. I, I have
1: a certain amount of success, and I don't want that town, that racist town, to get any credit for my success because they deserve. Ah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's part of it. That's a great reason by
1: itself. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I used to hang up uh, in the locker. I used to hang up um, pictures of um, Tyra Banks. I used to rip out of the uh, Victoria's Secret magazine. I used to hang them up. People used to come out by my locker and see the latest edition of what I hung up. So, um, you know, I was providing entertainment as well as the cologne. So I was always like a, just a natural hustler. And then my father worked for um, he worked at the Prudential Building in Newark. And, um Uh, when um, the attorneys used to throw away computers, um, he would bring them home, I'd fix them, and then we'd sell them. So, um, you know, I was involved in tech since, you know, the Commodore 64. My brother is a graduate of NJIT and a math genius. And today he's uh, still, uh, I believe, VP of IT at some big bank. Um, So I grew up around technology. My father Um, You know, when GPS first hit, my dad would put the GPS custom into the Honda Accord that year. Um, And, you know, we always had uh, we used to go to the computer shows and we used to build our computer from scratch. And when CD burners first came out, we had CD burners. When the Internet first hit, we were the first people to have Internet. Um, Okay,
2: Grandpa. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly exactly you know um so you know i was always been around technology my dad's a tech geek you know whatever new technology comes out he's going to get it um when the first plasma screen came out he had it when the first lcd screen came out he had it um you know even to today he's got state-of-the-art equipment in his movie theater so you know i've um you know i've he, he wanted this i don't know if anybody knows anything about sound but my dad has a pair of glass speakers and they're made by Martin Logan. And these things are thousands and thousands of dollars. But the sound quality, like people have never even heard of Martin Logan. But if you're into sound and tech for home, then you would know Martin Logan or Nakamichi, right? right. But it, this ain't like Sony type stuff. We're talking about right, high right. end. So I've always been surrounded by somebody who is just involved in tech, which is why I'm still involved in tech. So then as I get older, um you know, and I go through my uh, record label phase and my uh, mortgage broker phase. And then I'm working as regional marketing director for an energy drink company, uh, which has an investment from Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. Um, I'm involved in uh, CPG goods, um, consumer packaged goods. And then I move on and I launch a company for uh, Carmelo Anthony. And then I'm talking to like, Investors and people that are starting up companies, and basically at the time I was doing like marketing, um, experiential marketing, film marketing, and social media marketing. And I'm telling all these people I'm talking to, like, "Yo, you guys, why aren't you in the mobile app space? Like, getting a mobile app space, it's 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 like early, and it's like time, you know, time to get in because it's going to grow. And if you look at the app store now, how much millions of money is is hundreds of millions generated through the app store? You would see what I'm talking about exactly. It's, actually, it's Maybe
0: probably in premium games that trick people into giving up 50 cents at a time
1: yeah yeah so you know when I saw people didn't have that vision to go into the mobile app space I just I launched I I, I thrusted myself into that space so I went to go um, work for this company um, what was it called? I forget what it was, but it was a messaging, a text messaging app company. And the CEO and founder at the time was a guy named Maher. And when I walked, wo- I was used to walking in interviews and just getting jobs because I interviewed really well and I just know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I was used to getting the job and I didn't get this job. And I was like, why didn't I get this job? And, um, so can, I oh, have-
0: can, I, can, I, can I ask you it's still a still sidebar? You know, yeah. as long as racial issues aren't everyone's mind right now, you're a tall, handsome black dude. Uh, you know, you carry yourself with a, a powerful presence. So I imagine if you're applying for a job, that 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 plays in your favor. But you also have dreads and and, and facial hair and a distinctly black
1: appearance. Yeah, those play yeah. against
0: each other somehow.
1: Uh, not until you got hired. <laughs> oh, so you, you know. hide it for the interview, shave and and tuck all the dreads up. Nah, well, I just like my dreads, my dreads are pretty new. Like that came kind of, that came okay. in like 2012, right? So before then, I had a short haircut. So, so this is uh, your
0: entrepreneur look. You used to have a more clean cut, works yeah. for the man kind of
1: you know, yeah eager
0: eager black employee look.
1: Exactly, exactly, okay. yeah. So um, so have yeah, to
0: so, condemn either strategy for any individual.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah. So you know, uh, I I, I got into uh, so I had that interview and I didn't get. I didn't get the jobs. I was, like, trying to wonder why, and I realized because I wasn't up to date on what was happening with the app store and with digital marketing. So I put myself, you know, in in virtual schools, and I just studied for, like, a year straight, and I just got better at it And um, because he was asking me certain questions, and as he asked me questions I didn't answer to, I kind of, like, made, like, a mental note, and I went home and just looked everything up and then just started learning app marketing. So then, um, you know, fast forward, I've worked for over 20 apps. I've worked for uh, two app marketing agencies, and I just became really smart in it because I had experience in it, you know. Um, and then that's kind of like how I, I, I segued into um, the, the app space. So then um, I'm on LinkedIn. This was two years ago. I'm on LinkedIn, and um, I see the same guy, Maher, and this time he's got a Bitcoin company. So I hit him up. Now remember, I didn't get hired last time. So I hit him up. I'm like, yo, what's up with this? And at first he was just like, ah, you know, didn't pay me much mind. And then I didn't hit him up, but I think they had like a little bit of trouble gaining traction. So they're like, all right, let me hit this guy up because I know this guy has a huge following and, you know, he's got some experience. So we sat down and fast forward. I'm now a co-founder in that company. So it kind of shows you how you can go from like the same dude who told me I wasn't qualified for this job. I'm now like like, that's my homie now, like, it's my brother, yeah. like, you know? Um,
0: if, I, if, I may, if I may just sidebar on that for a second for the benefit of uh, our very libertarian audience.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, and, and I think this applies to you, too, any kind of revolutionary, solutionary-type activist who is distinctly out of the norm. But especially libertarians, I don't know if you noticed, you know, we're a white, male, INTJ-dominated movement. And the other thing that kind of unifies or, or the other big demographic trend among libertarians is that we're victims of the system somewhere. Yeah. You know, the captains of the football teams and the high school cheerleading squads aren't the first to challenge the establishment, right? Yeah. And so we have a lot We have a lot of punks and misfits and outcasts and round mm. pegs trying to fit in square holes. And a lot of us have, uh, you know, issues with rejection. Mm. And I just want to underscore this as a powerful part of Hotep's story, to say that you know you can have complete rejection. We're not hiring you. Come across the same guy. Circumstances change. It wasn't about you. It yeah. wasn't about you. It's usually not about you. You know, yeah. and, and this is something that I, I just want to always make an important part of the message of my show is you know have a healthy ego uh, in, in a positive sense. Have a healthy sense of yourself. Be confident in your own self worth. And yeah. if, if uh, if, if Hotep hadn't at least maintained his general framing and persistence, he wouldn't be where he is with this one little obvious example.
1: Oh, yeah. Even in situations where I know I wasn't in the wrong, I still blame on myself. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I could have done this, I could have done that, and sure. I could have done this, mm-hmm. and I could have done that. Because, uh, you know, I feel like everything in your life is a result of something you did. You put yourself in every situation that you're in. So if you don't have an attitude of every single, every single detail of your life is not your fault, then you have no power. And so even when somebody does me wrong, I'm like, that was my fault. I could have handled that situation differently and I look at it as a learning experience. So the next time I come across that person, they try to do that same wrong thing to me, I have the power to defeat them.
0: So is there anything else you wanna get out of the way before we get to the big history revision question here?
1: No, nah, let's get to it.
0: All right, so I'm gonna to try to sum this up because I, I wanna make sure that I understand it from what you were saying and obviously victors write the history yes and in america nowhere has there been a a greater demographic dominance than uh the, the general white establishment the european powers coming in against black americans although you might include native americans as having experienced something maybe a little bit more brutal but this is also really important to the revision here. Uh, you might also say Mexicans uh, or, or you know, uh, people who were pushed uh, out south and west from the original uh, colonial expansion, and what you said, Hotep, on, on Rogan's show that really struck at the heart of untangling this was it's not economically realistic. You use an even stronger term. Do you remember what it was?
1: Uh, no, I don't. You I said I, it's economically viable, it doesn't make... I it's
0: just, it's like, it doesn't make economic sense. Like, why would, and, and so what you're getting at is, given the general history that we know of that of, of the last, you know, thousand years or, or so, and, and all these dynamics that we talk about in, in terms of the settling of the new world, the general mythology is that European settlers came here, uh, pushed a few Native Americans out of the way, and brought black people as slaves from Africa, and it's tempting in the narrative of this to say, well, yeah, white people here were, were, the, were the jerks, yeah, you know, the, they were the bad guys in this." Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, as you know, I, I don't have to point out to you, but to the audience for the audience's benefit, I'm not trying to pretend that, that all whites were responsible for slavery. And it's also worth pointing out, as you did, that black people, Africans were slave owners, and yeah. that this myth, this myth of black people being brought from Africa as slaves, and when you said this to Joe Rogan, he was like, wait, wait, you know, this wasn't isn't fabricated out of whole cloth, we have the pictures, we have the diagrams of the boat, we've got the movies, The ho- Hollywood tells us this is true, right, and you go, and, and I think it's important in the way you present this in, in any kind of revisionism history, no, they didn't fabricate it out of whole cloth, but I think the main point of your revision here is that this narrative paints black Africans as weak, uncivilized, and ready to be enslaved. Yeah. Or to sell each other off, as is sometimes included in the narrative, that it was powerful Africans who sold off weak Africans To the European slave traders, and that probably happened. And and you incorporated this, and we said it's a small part, but it's nowhere near explaining how America's black population got here today. Yeah. So the importance of this is not just in the narrative being accurate, but the assumptions that we go about with. And there's one really prickly one I'm going to challenge you on with at the end here, but is that is that a fair summary and and if if that's a fair summary what are the implications for the black paradigm today
1: so i mean we first have to understand what slavery meant in africa and what it meant in america um you know in in africa when you had slavery it, it wasn't like bondage right um in fact you had a lot of freedom um as a slave. It was a
0: more humane form of tribalist servitude rather than
1: yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, they, they threw a party when it was when you could buy your freedom or when when you asked for your freedom. You could ask for your freedom. Like you could say, "Yo, oh, I want to be free," and they threw a party and said, "Wow, you want to be free? Like, great, that's awesome." And they sometimes they would invest in you to get a new house, right? So, and, and that's not from black sources. That's from white sources. If you go read the outline of history, they, you know, a white source admits it. And I don't think that book is completely accurate on everything, but there's several sources that explain what slavery looked like in Africa. And it wasn't this thing where, you know, they beat people all the time. And even if you go read Thaddeus Russell's book, um, Renegade History, you know, the brutality of slavery isn't as what they say. And he's got some of the empirical data to, to back that up. So, when people talk about slavery, it's like it's less than. Now a hold on, let, me, let me.
0: Sorry, th- so there's there's an image that comes to my you know upper middle class white educated brain from the textbooks when you say all that like the pictures of uh, slaves being whipped.
1: Yeah. So when you talk about when you talk about whipping, like you know in Thaddeus Russell's book white people was whipped too, you know? White people would be strapped to pillories, you so know? Just the
0: more, yeah, this goes to the more accurate historical narrative, that it was just a more brutal culture overall. Yeah. But, I mean, lynchings, lynchings were a thing. I mean, you're not trying to say that, like, racism isn't a problem or that the oppression of, of black America, but you're making an important historical point that black explorers got to the new world without the help of Europeans at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean the rulers of the rulers of Songhai Empire and Mali were traveling back and forth to the Americas before 1492. You know, um, uh, I think his name was Abukari. I forget the name of the ruler, but Abukari had sent an expedition to come to the Americas long before. Um, but the thing is, you don't even have to look at Africa. You can just look at the Caribbean. You know, Cristobal Colon or Bartolomeo de las Casas. And their own writings talk about how, you know, when they visited the Caribbean and South America and they were looking for gold, um, they met black people. So it's like you have these islands which are not far from the Americas at all. I mean, I believe Cuba 90 miles from Florida. You know, so it's like to say that these people couldn't have gotten to the Americas via Central, um, Latin America, Central America, or, you know, uh, the ocean from Cuba. I mean, you see people getting from Cuba to America today, right? You got people leaving Haiti today. Coming yeah, to the right, Americas. you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on like, you, you know, a, raft. <laughs> a makeshift raft, right? They're making it to America. So, you know, when you when you look at that, it's like it's not impossible to say that You know, black people didn't make it to the Americas. But when I was a child, and you know, people showed me these images of Native Americans, I always saw a mulatto, right? They were light skinned. They weren't black, and they weren't white. And I'm like, the only person I know that's not black and not white is a mulatto. And so I never believed that the natives were what they said they were. I always was like, who are these people? right like yeah. who, i didn't know what they were i didn't know if they were black or if they were white or if they were separate but i'm like mm, who are these people cuz i ain't yeah, they, never seen them in real life before right so then yeah, I'm, on,
0: definitely...
1: I'm on Sorry. tour right i'm on tour in 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 miami right and uh, we just did a major show um for a car show and um some guys approach us at a bar um and come to find out they're quote unquote native american and uh the guy owns the casino so the guy that owns the casino is a white man like he looked like blonde hair blue eyes white man and he's like i'm a native american and i'm just like uh okay sure buddy but the people that worked for him looked more like uh a mexican right a darker skinned mexican so i'm like ah so then when you when you when you when you are a hotel uh, whole types of researchers and historians b- by necessity we know about the doll's role and a lot of people don't know about the doll's role but the doll's Roll is basically what they called the a five dollar indian and basically for five dollars you could buy your own native americanism you could become oh, a native my, american yeah. paying to get on this list and they considered you a native american so why
0: uh, I have my own version of this today, by the way. I, I'm a member of the Oklahoma... I don't claim genetics, but I, I am a member of the Oklahoma Native American Church, which basically gives me the ability to opt out of the drug war. With uh, with this argument, I beat four felonies in a misdemeanor drug charges in Texas, so it is a nice little legal loophole. You yeah. Know? But yeah, people, you're talking about people manipulating the system. Your yeah. bigger point, I think, was that, was that it, in in sort of prehistory or just even... Before modern history, there was way more global travel and intermixing of different groups, and we oversimplify it into the narrative that we walk around with today.
1: Yeah, yeah. As if to say there were no boats. I mean, you go look at ancient Babylon, ancient Canaan, ancient Rome, ancient Egypt. They had boats. <laughs> yeah. Everybody had boats. Yeah. It's not like some crazy technology that is new, right? So it's like, yeah. it's to say as if. Black people are the only ones that have boats. In fact, surfing was discovered in Africa. You know, white men saw black people surfing in Africa, and then, and then it became a sport, right? So it's to say that, you know, black people are afraid of the water. Hold on. You're denying native Hawaiians credit for that? Well, native Hawaiians are black. Okay. All right. All if right. At, All right
0: I, see. At, I see where
2: you're going so with you that. Go, then. All go right, look at,
1: if you go look at, I think it was in 1812, was the last kingdom. Don't, 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 uh, quote oh, you know, me, the, the story,
0: oh, the story of, yeah, the story of the eradication of the last Hawaiian kingdom
3: yeah. is,
0: is, is, is one of the most underreported, undertaught stories of American history. And when they teach yeah. there, it's still a whitewashed version of American history that admits to Trail of Tears and the crimes against the Apaches and, and the, you know, smallpox, smallpox blankets. Oh, yeah, we went to paradise and and basically killed most of the natives who were making it paradise. Like, yeah, that's, that, that yeah. was part of American history too.
1: Yeah. All you got to do is look up King Kamehameha. And yeah. if you go look at him and you go look at the drawings of this man, I mean, it looks like Ben Carson,
0: right? <laughs> Wait, hold on. It's not Kamehameha. It's way more fun to say that way. Kamehameha.
1: Uh, I, yeah. Kamehameha. <laughs> I don't know how say it, but <laughs> we're talking about a native black population with nappy curly hair. So, we were in Hawaii. This is a Hawaiian kingdom. We were all over. It's the the newest race to Earth is the white race. So we've been everywhere. Y'all are discovering us. You didn't discover the land. You're discovering us. Said everywhere that you know. All go look at all the explorers. If you go look at all their data, they said no matter where they go, they run into Africans. No matter so where
0: I, they go. For for again, for my audience, I want to contextualize this a little bit. Right. And, and, and really tie it to what I consider a very important intellectual process of being, of objective reasoning, of, of of using the scientific method, of, of even just, like, of journalism, you know, uh, of just, you know, studying history with integrity, yeah. right? And I, I, I'm going to stop myself before I say anything more on this particular subject, but what's the biggest myth enforcing the biggest racket in the world today, other than government itself?
1: That black people in America were oppressed.
0: No, no. Well, the biggest racket is the military, right? Other than government itself.
1: Nah. Military. I
0: don't think... military. Oh, hold on, hold on. You see where I'm going with this? Um, but uh, World War II. The myth of World War II was written by the victors. Yeah. I'm not even going to use the H word here because you're going to set this is going to trigger all the alarms. I'm not a denier, but I do think World War II history needs to be severely revisited in order to destroy the underlying myth of militarism, which was that it was a military that saved the world from Nazism, and that we need to have it to keep us safe, and that we should accept a military that outspends the rest of the world several times over, is the biggest military in the world, the biggest source of evil in the world today. Uh, so when we talk about I, – I want you to then, with, with that in mind, connect this narrative, which, you know, for people like, – and Joe Rogan asked you all, oh, did, did you just come up with this, or is this like – no, And no, you, you said you studied this 15 years prior – You know, it's just something that you incorporate into your self-awareness. Do the research, get the answers, get a more accurate worldview, be ready to challenge other people's false assumptions about people. And you, in that sense, knowledge is power. That's a unique kind of power that you get from having a more accurate view of the world and of history. So, Otep, how do you connect this to what we're experiencing right now, the current black paradigm, Uh, Do you believe the surge in Black Lives Matter activism is just controlled opposition to distract from coronavirus and all the rich getting richer and poor getting poorer scams around that?
1: It's election season, you know, during election season. You got to understand, I believe that less than half the population actually votes in this election. Right. Oh yeah. So that means that half the people in America like this, they don't believe in this bullshit ass government. Um, in fact, when you, you know, I like that you brought up war, right? Because when we talk about um, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, the United States had to do a draft, conscription, right? Right. They had to force men to join the military. When you have people who believe in your country, you don't have to force the men to fight. They'll volunteer, Right. <laughs> So it goes yep. to you that Americans never really believed in this government. So if you're one of those Americans who believe in this government, oh man, you're blue pilled like a motherfucker. You know, you, there's something wrong with you. You're you you're McGraw Hill educated. You've been brainwashed, you're a product yeah. of liberal education. You're you're stupid, um, if you ask me. Um but yeah, you know, um when the government has to force their men into war, it kinda of tells you everything to be said that people didn't agree with these wars and even we saw vietnam you know was massive protest of vietnam um and then you know you look at some of the more privileged people that were able to buy their way out of conscription and not be drafted into the army you know in all the you know previous wars but these wars are wholly um you know so world war one was definitely created to create a recession um, the Revolutionary War was created to create a re- uh, Civil War was created to create a recession. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Revolutionary War was also created to create a recession because going to war costs money, <laughs> it costs resources, right? Right. So, it, it, and I, also, I, I would
0: hold on. I would I would disagree slightly in your characterization. I think you're under including the role or under describing the role of central bl- central banks in all these wars.
1: Well, that's exactly the point of causing the the recession to have an excuse for a central bank, right? Sure. Because I
0: no, they're definitely related, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, they want to cause a recession for the purpose of installing a central bank, and that's why you know people like Andrew Jackson fought against it, um, and so on and so forth. You know, but um, even even when we look at the Civil War uh, and the agreement between the North and the South, uh, the North said, "Look." We'll bring you in, but we're not taking your debt that you owe to the bankers. We're not accepting that debt. Now it's part of the agreement. So it goes to show you that a lot of this was about creating debt. Also, you have to understand is with war, war halts technology. Um, When you're at war, you cannot um, create technology. You know, you're you're busy fighting, so you can't evolve as a species. And that's been a, a huge problem for all warring nations. That's why you see places like Libya going backwards in evolution, right? And they've been bombed back right. to the, you know 1910s <laughs> as bombed far as back,
0: Bombed back to the Prohibition era, right? Okay, so I'm yeah. uh, uh, sorry, man. There's
1: so, so many me about Black Lives, Black Lives topics. What's that? You asked me about Black Lives Matter. Yeah,
0: yeah. So here's my fundamental question. I think my, my critical question on this, is it fair to say that right now the American black community is being used as a pawn in the bigger political manipulation for the election and to distract from the coronavirus financial manipulation?
1: Um I'm not too sure about the coronavirus aspect but absolutely. Absolutely um black people Well,
0: hold on, just to be yeah. clear, my my point on that was when it when they first declared the state of emergency there was a 2.3 trillion dollar spending bill and then it went up by a trillion and then there was another three trillion and then there was another three it was nine trillion dollars America here's my point Otep and, and you know if if you don't put as much stake in this as I do I respectfully respect your analysis but uh we all of America is is talking about black lives matter police brutality issues whereas if that wasn't happening right now we'd be going like uh, where did that nine trillion dollars go you
1: know, it's I, I, just well, like the yeah, Pentagon bro. in nine eleven. Well, here's why I disagree with that. When Trump issued twelve hundred dollars to every single American in America, they made it, made us complicit in the crime. And that is what shut everybody up. The fact that we got that twelve hundred. People yeah, stop asking.
0: Yeah, that's part
1: of it. You know, so I, I do think that Black Lives Matter and this whole thing um was partly a distraction from COVID. I do I do think it played some role, but I really feel like this is just the script that happens every four years.
0: It's more. It's more about Democrats just doing their thing.
1: Yeah, it's like you know, okay. it's that's, like that's it's right, like yeah. it's like it's like first comes SARS, then comes Black people, then comes mass shooting, then comes the hurricane, then comes the yeah, right, yeah. The I, like, it's I, the same I, thing every year. So that's why I'm like, it's I don't know if it's a distraction or is it just part of the script? Yeah. So I, you
0: know, I would, hmm, yeah, uh, I. I would just, I would, I would, I couldn't say that I'm complicit in the crime because uh, did this you is money. The that, yeah, I did, and, and this is, and, so and you're I, my general the crime. no, no, you can say accepting stolen goods, but it's money that's been stolen from me, and it's money that was borrowed in my name. The federal government borrowed six thousand dollars in my name that they're going to try to get me to pay for later one way or another, and they gave me twelve hundred dollars of it. That's a bad deal. I'm not complicit. Like, no, I'm I'm accepting injury here. I'm not better off because this this program happened, and I had nothing to do with making it happen. Or so. so anyway, we can argue ethics in another interview. In fact, wait, I should have you on again, and uh, will because we'll, I heard you you gave a, uh both myself and our mutual friend uh from whom I know you uh Chad is my name Chad Lemoyne in yeah. Uh, and so you know talk about libertarians with, with perspectives that you respect and that was uh, a very much appreciated shout out yeah. so a um, couple questions I told you we'd get to one really hard one this isn't it but your your racial identity yourself yeah. you know uh, you, you said you you saw mulattoes you know and I, maybe this is my own ignorance of you know African ethnic diversity um i I know that if I've seen pictures of people who are so black. That they're practically blue. They, you know, the, the there's some Africans who oh, are blue so black. dark they got. What's that? It's
1: called blue black.
0: Yeah, they got that blue sheet. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. But you're you're not that black. How so? How do you identify? Do you have do you have any white in you or any other ethnic breakdowns? And and do you differentiate for yourself your own ethnic breakdown? And does that relate to any of uh, what we're talking about, or is it just totally irrelevant to you?
1: In Africa, I'd be considered light skinned Right. So I definitely am not 100% African blue black blood. Right? Eh? There's definitely, you know, for example, um, my great my great grandfather is a white man from Germany mm. on my father's side. So I got white blood. You okay. know, my, my my grandmother is technically a mulatto, mm. and that's where <laughs> I think I think that was. Mr. Folks, I forget his last name. I want to say that's Mr. Folks, but yeah, you know, um, I have a white man as my my great grandfather is a white man. <laughs> There's been miscegenation all throughout American history. You know, when you have people that live together, they they fornicate together. Um, you, you know, you you see that. That's why I, I love Thad, Thaddeus Russell's book. I'm working through it now. He told me he was like, you know, this book's gonna challenge you, and I'm like, this shit ain't challenging me. This shit is confirming shit I've been believing in my head just didn't have the proof for years. But, um, you know, whites and blacks have been mixing for years uh, i know that my blood isn't hundred percent you know blue black African, but I still identify as an African.
0: well, I'm by ethnicity half Jewish and half German, basically, so okay, I don't know whether to uh yeah, I don't know which half of me to hate more uh, <laughs> right and you know I think if uh if if my Jewish mom and my German ancestry dad. Can uh, can get together and make babies. There's no reason we can't all get along and right. just keep screwing each other till we all come out the same color. You know the Bullworth strategy, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. No. So one last serious question, and, and if you don't mind, uh, we're gonna take a few questions from the chat. Jim, you got a few queued up, I assume at this point. And this is this is my la- This is the really hard one. Okay. And you know, I I know that I'm I'm doing this with no you know bad intent, but there are uh, thorny issues raised around race realism. I, li- I like to think of myself as a Carlos Mencia race realist. Like, yeah, there are differences between races. Let's talk about it. Let's laugh about it, and do it out of love and embracing differences. You know, we right. don't have to. Be, you, can, you can be racially charged and address racial issues without being demeaning or hateful in any way. Yes. And a lot of the race, the the, the mainstream race realists today. You know, I I hesitate to use that term for myself because uh, it, it has so many negative connotations with people who use race realism as their cover for racism. That being said, a lot of them will say that there are differences in IQs between the races. And this is another dangerous part. Like, this really ties into the myth of black Africans were a helpless primitive society and smart white Europeans on big boats went and rounded them up and brought them over to build the American civilization,
1: right? Huh. And,
0: huh. and if, if you believe that narrative, then it's really easy to go, okay, well, yeah, black people are dumber than, uh, what, what is it? The, the, the typical breakdown that they use in the United States, they'll say, well, Jews are the smartest, then Asians, then white Europeans, then Hispanics, then black people. Uh-huh. And, and and every time you hear that repeated, you go, "What kind of what kind of asshole is this?" Like, like really, like the way it's uh-huh. brought up, you know, most of the time is to justify racism, right? Uh-huh. And my my question to you, aside from you know, what do you make of all of that? Is is it possible that you know, on the whole, uh, you know, j- intelligence across ethnicities is, is really more or less the same and that it's a product, like if, if you accept the scientific evidence that black Americans have a lower IQ than white Americans, I, I mean, right away I go, well, you say they're more criminal. Well, because they get treated worse by cops and by the yeah. system. They get charged more. You know, we yeah. see this on the streets, like just that you get treated differently. Like, of course. So, you, you know, all of the, the legacy of slavery is going to impact your IQ. Mm -hmm. Right. Is it possible that the funny thing is and and there's test biases. All right. I've opened up enough worms here. So please go ahead.
1: The funny thing is, when you mention that hierarchy from Jewish on down to black, that's also the same hierarchy for income earning. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, IQ is based upon um, your income. If you're, if you are, uh, from a rich
0: household with all the benefits and advantages.
1: Yeah. I mean, for example, um, a large part of the IQ test is math, right? Uh, a large part of the IQ test is, uh, geography. Um, and being able to unscramble words, I've taken IQ tests to see where my IQ is at. And, um, you know, I find that if you, if you studied math up to probably, you know, trigonometry, you'll probably score really high on the IQ section, on the, on the math section of the IQ test. It's now, inherently you,
0: biased by educational experience.
1: Yes, exactly. You know, the only part in there that I think is even remotely fair is probably pattern recognition. But even that is based upon, you know, how much of society you're exposed to, right? How much it's really
0: something you're trained, right? If you live in a traumatic household and you're not stimulated, you're in a state of fear, or anxiety, or fight or flight, your brain's yeah. not going to develop and have the time to practice even pattern recognition, which is, as you point out, a more legitimate metric of raw mental horsepower, right?
1: Yeah, IQ has a lot to do with where you stand uh, as far as income is concerned, you know? So, you know, you take a Bushman from, you know, uh, South America, he's not probably not going to score too high in the IQ test, but he might right. be smarter than somebody that scored high, higher in an IQ test. I mean, I've been around people... Who are, um, for example, when I worked with um, um, uh, 50 Cent, all of my colleagues were Ivy League graduates. We took a Harvard and Princeton and Yale, right? Brown University. And this is where I gained a lot of my confidence because these were some of the dumbest people I ever met. I mean, problems would come down and they'd panic. And then they'd come to me the kid with no formal education, right? And he said, Brian, we need help. The funny thing is what they would do is they'd wait for the bosses to leave the office and then everybody would rush to my desk, right? Brian, can you help me with my project? I have a deadline tomorrow. And I'd be like, all right, do this, 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 and this. And then the next one would come, do this, this, and this. Next one would come, do this, this, and this. And the next day, everybody would take credit for the work, right? And they never gave me credit. And they they even at one point rallied against me and like formed a coalition against me because I was so dangerous inside the place, Right. So I'm just like, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think it's because I didn't have the formal education is why I'm so smart, because and plus, my dad challenged yeah. me a lot. You know, my dad always, you know, I was trained in chess from a young age and he just, he just used to give me like, you know, real world problems. How would you solve this? You know, how would you solve this? How would you solve this? He was always challenging me. So that's why my brain formed the way it did, because my dad was just always challenging me and i just feel like you know if you're not exposed to challenges how do you grow how does your brain grow if you're not exposed to consistent challenges and 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 work and mind puzzles he gave me a lot of like mind puzzles right right so for example if you hang around my dad he'll ask you uh what's one um uh what's half of two plus two tell me two wrong two okay.
0: and a half of a plus
1: wrong <laughs> half of two plus two is three because half of two is one plus two is three. okay depending <laughs> on where you
0: put the parentheses in the <laughs> equation
1: gotcha yeah, yeah. so like okay. my, dad, my dad would you know he'd always have these types of things in the household and my brother being as yep. genius he That's, is i was just exposed to it
0: you know my dad did the same thing with me and my little brother when it was when we were driving to school he would, and it was like stock market stuff and you know, random math logic questions. I think that's, that's a huge. I that's so funny that we have that in common. Do that's you know the
1: about I, the uh, the 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 fox, uh, the thief and the and the, and, the, and, the, and the hen and the egg? I think it is. Do you know that one? No, no, no riddles. No, hold on, hold on.
0: We only got a few minutes left. I want to go with the odds, but I, I that also reminds me, you're a chess player. You're gonna have to come visit us sometime here in the mountains in Arizona at the Garden of Freedom. We'll get a chess game on here that's on the, the the rooftop lanai. So if you have a couple minutes, let's let's, let's we do a, la- a lightning round of uh, questions from or comments from the audience. Uh, we have comment Jim Freedom in studio who's just going to be speaking from off camera. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, okay. Well, C.J. Abernathy. All <laughs> right. Our first our actual producer. question.
2: Yeah, we got some comments. Producer
0: privilege.
2: An All right. Actual question. <laughs> All right. You want me to read it? Please. Hotep, what do you believe is the best strategy to educate, inform people that you call blue pills? to the two-party duopoly mentality
1: uh kidnap them strap them to a seat and make them um watch your the documentaries that red pilled you for a week straight you know if you can't if you you know <laughs> it's, you have to do the same thing that made them that way right the same thing that made them that way was somebody strapped them to their sofa and they sat there and they watched hours of TV all day and made them to believe what they believed or they strapped them to some school desk and made them believe what they believed you would have to literally take this person you know, go to some retreat for a month and just overload them with so information that by the time they came out, you know, for example, I had a friend that came over and he was arguing with me. He's like, yo, I had to unfollow you on Instagram because it was too much Trump stuff. And I sat there and I played a clip of Malcolm X talking about liberals. He's like, I've never seen that before. And (laughs) like, he wasn't he didn't turn to a Trump fan. But 15 minutes had him rethink everything he previously thought, right? Yeah. So it's, about, it's about presenting people with, with information. Yeah, never – yeah. Sorry? And make just making people think.
0: Yeah, and giving them the space to be ignorant, acknowledging that they might be wrong. Everybody does this. Everybody overstates their knowledge and opinions mm-hmm. uh, as if they are way more informed than they are. So give people credit for that, and sometimes it's just, oh, I didn't know that. Hey, did you know this? And yeah. so if I find a quick addendum to the answer, be loving, be persistent, and be very, very, very patient. And remember how long it took you to wake up and what a process that was. And for me, it was 10 years. So, Jim, what's next? Uh, Jeremy Gooding, he was talking about the IQ
2: test. IQ tests show one's ability of taking IQ tests pretty much it fair <laughs> enough no
0: and and my question was obviously not a, a perfectly yeah research frame I mean I could have I could have taken a whole page just to ask that question with all the caveats and well not mean this me and it, if I could have included in that question but yeah I think Hotev's uh, point was very well taken there
2: yeah you can always tell how great an interview is by how quiet the comment section is um, listening adamantly I think they I loved everything you talking about i like what you said about the iq test as well he's a Thank good expert. we should have him back yeah i, yeah, mean, we're, we're, I
1: think there is some some use I, I, here's what i call the iq test iq test is how well you've uh grown accustomed to western culture sure Western yeah, civilization. Yep. yeah same with sats uh
0: act's all that stuff that that we use as our not so magical sorting hat of deciding who's worthy of higher status in America today. Uh, so, Mister Jesus, uh, we've only got a minute left here. I want to give you the last word. Anything on anything we've discussed today you want to include? We got your website up there. Or, sorry, your Twitter feed and uh, your Twitter handle. I always oh no, you are at Hotep Jesus now. You had a different handle before. You got switched. That's awesome. You Get your following switched over. So it is at H O T E P Jesus. I think you know how to spell Jesus. Uh, on Twitter. Any any other last words, sir?
1: No, nah, just hit that link, uh, bryansharp.co, connect with me, get on my email list, and um, that's where I communicate with everybody and that's where I communicate my main message. So I think just get on my email list that's the most important thing you could do.
0: All right, beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today, sir.
1: Thank you. All right.
0: Oh, well, you got a super chat last minute. We got a super chat. All right. Let's bring it up. It's not a question, is it? Too late. We had we're gonna check in with comments. We are we are just about at time for the show. Chadlam oh Chad, finally. All right, well, okay, listen. All right, it's a follow up from our mutual friend Chad Lemoyne, in Louisiana, who I think just bought his way into the producers club. If no one wants to top nine ninety nine today, I'm so pumped you guys had a chance to talk. Shout out to Marcus for setting it up and to Adam and Hotep Jesus for their continued work for freedom. Thank you so much, brother Chad. All right. So, double stories we're not getting to. Uh, Well, you know what? This is one I really can't let go. And it's just another studyfinds.org report. Land of the Worried, 83% of Americans very stressed over nation's future. The title of today's show is The Good News. And... While this is a reference to a number of specific stories, it's also a reference to Christianity, the good news, the gospel. Have you heard the good news? And when I see a story like this, a new survey shows 7 in 10 Americans agree 2020 is the lowest point in the country's history that they've witnessed. Two-thirds say that the government's response to the coronavirus is a source of daily stress from them, for them. Eighty-three percent of Americans very stressed over a nation's future. And I think about why. Why do I not get worried? You know why? Because I, I. I mean, I am stressed. Oh, actually, why do I not get stressed? Right? I'm worried, like in an intellectual sense. I go, yeah, this is this is a worrying time. Things are weird. Everything's a little blurry in America right now. Everything's delayed, slow. People are suffering. People are on edge. A lot of negative emotions like this. Way more present than at our pre-coronophobia crisis baseline. So why? Why do I not turn that concern into worry or stress? What's the difference for me? And it almost comes down to a matter of religion there are a lot of good things that come out of religion people at peace who are happier who are more in touch with their communities who live better lives overall for whatever reason oftentimes because of religion something that those of us who don't have such a concrete specific spiritual grounding might say is uh you know it's a mythology you know but a, perhaps a, a useful uh, and, and helpful one, and you know, what is it that actually gives people that? I mean there are a lot of you we don't you don't need to believe in the mythology of Jesus for Christianity to make you a better person in, in a Christian community. That's true about you know every religion, right you don't and it's funny, I meet Catholics all the time. We're like, believe this stuff? Oh, no, oh, but I'm a devout Catholic right because they' they practice they like the community they, they, they believe in the ethos, the the worldview. And this is where freedom really is a kind of religion in that it gives me a worldview that I can have confidence in. It gives me a community to be a part of. It gives me a set of values, but even more so than that, in the same way that a lot of people from religion get confidence in the afterlife or the future or the will of God being done among men every day, that it is, it is God's will, God's will be done. Right. For me, a big part of my religion, the good news, if you will, is that things are getting better. They're getting better all the time. Don't believe the hype. The fundamentals of the great global human family are strong. We are connected like never before. We are accelerating into a new era of human existence. Some people who are spiritual but not religious call it the ascension. To me, it's just the natural course of human evolution and progress. Maybe two steps forward, one step backwards. But humanity marches on. And that's the good news. Now, I wanted to get, this This little segment was inspired not just by that story from uh, studyfinds.org, but from a new website that we're using as a news aggregator here, and I—it's a uh, goodnewsnetwork.org. Uh, I put it on Twitter last week. Hey, I'm looking to improve my uh, editorial process. You know, my two primary sources are still Brudge Report and Freedom's Phoenix. Uh, but you know, and, and of course, I'm always on Twitter, and, and uh, I generally avoid my my Facebook. Stream, uh, but you know, I'm on Facebook. Uh, we've got some weird uh, tech stories that we've been covering from ycombinator.com, but someone shared with me uh, goodnewsnetwork.org, and I'm really excited about this. I kind and this week I've been trying to get to it, and I haven't got to it. Weird, this is, this is like, ah, even me, even me. I put out the good news so we can cover the bad news, right? And uh, you know, there's a natural tendency towards that. So it's, it's, I'm really glad that I have this website in my editorial toolkit to bring more positivity to the show. And they have a This Day in History feature. This is what I've been trying to get to. Um, so uh, there's, there's um, more good news on This Day in History. Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician philosopher who was a young man, invented a mechanical calculator and later philosophized that all men's miseries derive from not being able to sit in a quiet room alone. Rather prescient right now, isn't it? Was born on this day in 1623. The first official baseball game was played with the New York Nines defeating nine players on the field. Do you call yourselves the Nines? Not a very creative name. Dressed to the Nines. No, I, you know, whatever. Baseball players, they're so clever. With the New York Nines defeating the New York Nickenbockers 23 to 1 in Hoboken, New Jersey, in 1846. U.S. Congress prohibited slavery in the United States territories nullifying the Dred Scott case, 1862, which is why today is Juneteenth. After surviving an 83-day filibuster in the United States Senate, the Civil Rights Act was passed by Congress, outlining all segregation on the basis of race in, on this day in 1964. Edgar Winter's number one hit Frankenstein, named because of how many cuts and patches were contained in the original studio tape, earned a gold record, 1973 on this day. The European Union nations agreed to lift their sanctions against Cuba in the hope of encouraging democracy on the island on this day in 2008. There's a lot more fun stuff here. We're over time. It's Friday. I'm not going to hold the class too late today, of course, since we're past the bell already. One other story, though, I just have to point out as a, as a, a nice note to leave everybody with from goodnewsnetwork.org. Surprising percentage of people feel happier after spontaneous decisions. The average American makes 6,709 spontaneous decisions every year. A brand new survey of 2,000 American respondents found when including decisions such as getting coffee, trying a new lunch place, taking a nap and the like, the average American will act spontaneously about 18 times a day. Nice to to recognize that. Is it the key to happiness? It might be according to the survey, which found that those who consider themselves spontaneous or a, quote, spontaneous person were 40% more likely to consider themselves a happy person. Not only that, but they were also 38% more likely to feel content and satisfied with their life. Interestingly, most Americans do do consider themselves quite spontaneous, as only about one in six did not think of themselves as such. But of those surveyed, 72% said they feel happier, after when they make a spur-of-the-moment decision in some way. Now, funny coming for me, I make spontaneous decisions for about two hours straight every single day to bring you this show. But I think there's something to be said, as they point out in this article, that of the people who uh, cited making significant spontaneous decisions, some of them included booking a last-minute flight to Europe, Suddenly switching careers, adopting a dog, moving to a brand new country, and moving on from a marriage. Over half of those surveyed, 56% said they've gone on a spontaneous trip in the past five years, with most of them, 88%, saying they felt happier as a result. So, another little bit of good news today. Add a little spontaneity to your life, be a little happier. Jim, any last hot comments, any contest entries for any of our ongoing contests? Do we have a better name for the Dank Dome? Uh,
2: I think that was the last thing we came up with. Yeah, nobody said <sighs> anything about the name of the Dome or anything like that. Chad Lemoyne um, Is our winner. Super Chat winner. Top so Bid Super
0: Chat, newest member of the Producer Club.
2: Yep, yeah, he can uh, contact the producer. At the Freedom Line, or uh, I started. I was thinking about it. People can reach out to Jim Freedom on Facebook and send me a message, and I can send them the link directly instead of reaching out to him, and then he reaches out to me, and then I. Re- so you know, <laughs> just reach out to me on Facebook.
0: We'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and always, you can get me and anybody else on the team. Our producer CJ from South Dakota, Adam at thefreedomline.com. Happy to forward emails to anybody who you know that I know. I don't have their email, but if it, unless you can look it up online, don't waste my time. But yeah, if you need help getting a hold of someone, happy to help everybody's. Excuse me, networking for freedom, CJ. Uh, next week we go into our tech test where we will be broadcasting this entire show live on Patreon. CJ, any last producer notes for the week? Anything uh, you're looking forward to, or the people ought to know about that? Uh,
3: you know. <clears throat> Not really, other than uh, if you are a Patreon member, uh, make sure that this is your, your final chance to, well, I shouldn't say your final final, but uh, okay. before Monday kicks off, you've got this weekend to join the Patreon here, so you can make sure that you're a part of all this, and uh, when it's separated down into, Patreon's got this unique feature where you can add the privileges of each level that Jim and I are going to get into uh, and we're going to show it here more on the screen what you get and add the perks for everybody to see. But uh, as, as I test it, again, I appreciate any feedback from anybody that's uh, Patreon as well because this is your guys' uh, platform that you guys want the most. And
0: You other- are the producers.
3: Yes, well, you're a part of the producers' club. I'm still the <laughs> producer. So uh, other than that, I hope everybody has a good weekend, and we'll see you all on the <laughs> Cut himself off. On that note, mwah,
0: peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.